0: Where the fields go From a dark brown To a riveted and bright yellow Hello, my name is Ina Avrolsen And welcome to Hex, the podcast This podcast is based around my new EP Also called Hex And today we're going to talk about The first single out called "See." Where the sky turns violet Stop. Norway has myriads of lakes, rivers and waters. And the cold northern sea dances up and down our rocky coastline. Water is a big part of our culture. And water has taken many beloved men, women and children from us. Norway is a far-stretched country. We have been very secluded and left to ourselves in the past... ...due to the difficulty of passing through our many valleys and highlands. Add our treasonous seasons and harsh weather conditions into that mix... ...and it's quite understandable how our folklore is mainly influenced by warnings of nature. In particular, the ocean and the mountains. If you listened to the introduction I made for these podcasts... ...you might remember that I said the sea was both my first love and my first fear. But you see, the ocean first showed me how powerful she really is when I was only five years old. I nearly lost my life to her back then. It was the start of a lifelong fascination with the sea. Fear and love often come greeting us hand in hand. I will get back to this story about the drowning, but first, let me explain a little more on the phenomenon that is nöcken. The Nukken is a Scandinavian take on the water spirit. Deriving from Germanic folklore, the shape-shifting Nuk has haunted waters and lakes for centuries, and most countries have a similar phenomenon of their own. You have the ancient Greek Nayad, a sort of a nymph who presides over the waters, wells and lakes of the Mediterranean. The Celts warned their young about the Morgants, who they believed to be a drowner of men. The Russian Vodayanoi is described as a naked old man with frog-like features, who, when angered, breaks dams and drowns people and animals. The Japanese tell tales of Kappa, the river child, lurking in rivers and lakes, pulling people to their deaths. I could go on forever because water spirit is one of the biggest players when it comes to common worldwide folklore. In Norway and Scandinavia, we have two major water spirits, Draugen and Nöcken. Both lethal, both unreliable, much like the water. We conjure up entities with the same characteristics as the object or matters we are attempting to explain and we warn our children to take care around danger by objectifying natural things. I mean, it's pretty basic psychology. Don't go near the water, or the nuckin will get you. I find folklore so interesting. Because at its base, it's not really all scare tactics to keep our children safe from harm. I think it derives just as much from a human attempt at explaining phenomenons that at the time of origin were completely inexplainable. That need for a clarification is such a typical trait of humanity. We need explanation because... Our minds need closure. We need closure so bad that even if that closure stems from something completely illogical, as thinking beings, we have to find a reason. At the core of that reason, there has to be logic. Pofenia, funny word, Apophenia is the tendency to perceive connections between unrelated things. The brilliant author and man behind my favorite podcast, Lore, explains Apophenia sort of like this. And please forgive me if you should by any chance hear this, Aaron. I know it's far-fetched, but I probably stray too far from your original words. Anyway, here goes. We look at the clouds and we want to see a pattern so our brain conjures one up for us. We try and explain the weather with sayings like red sky at night, shepherd's delight or red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning because humans need to establish a formula even where there is none. And I feel like almost everything we lean on in life has roots in apophenia. Concepts like fate, karma and religion are all huge human pillars that stems from the desire we have to connect unrelated matters. Now, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. I don't really know what I believe in, but I know that when going gets tough, I fold my hands and I pray. I don't know why or to what exactly, but I know that it gives me comfort It's almost uncomfortable to be aware of it, you know? Those weather sayings I talked about, by the way, actually first appeared in the Bible. That's how far they go back. You can find them in the book of Matthew if you want to see for yourself. This need for pattern is a tale as old as time, it seems. To quote another favorite of mine, the author Shirley Jackson, we have always lived in the castle. We have always been the same. It's just that now we have science to lean on and thank God for that. I wrote my record C after a night on the roof of my house, hanging out with a bottle of wine and my close friend and co-writer of the song. His name is Olav Trunsmond. The summers in Norway are beautiful and alluring because you never lose the light completely. It's always sort of dusky, even in the dark. About 3.30 in the morning, Olav excused himself and I was left alone with the moonlight, the sea, and undoubtedly the bus from the But as I looked out onto the glittering, moonlit ocean, I was gripped by this feeling of being home and completely at peace. I got this weird sensation of belonging, like I could never really live or breathe without the sea, almost on the verge of entrapment. I could put this down to my Norwegian ancestors, all who were workers and dependers of the sea, And I could put it down to that buzz of that wine. But my husband is a born and bred Londoner and he feels exactly the same. So I reckon it's universal. We all come back to the sea. Apophenia or not, that struggle is real. I went to bed and the next morning in the studio, this song, Sea, just fell out of me. Those songs are always the ones that I come to love the most. The songs that only require two hours and a microphone. They feel more alive and pure to me than the ones you spend two days working on. But my ocean heart never let it go. What you are hearing is my first and only vocal take. It's just feelings, nothing else. I often find that the demo vocal of a song Is better than the more rehearsed vocal take you do once the production of the song is finished. When you have just written a song, it's failed. In this rawness and naivety That I find gets lost on the way to Making it a hit record The vocal is fresh produce to me It goes still if you don't freeze it right away C is a homage to my home But not defined by it I want everyone to find Connection in my writing And I want my words to be interpreted In a way that works for you The listener What my words mean to me is one thing What they mean to you is Yours alone. So long looking for a way I could be a part of another home. I tried so hard, blocking out the waves, but my ocean The reason I wanted to connect C with Nuckin is because I've always been allured by him. I know that according to folklore, it's the Draugen and not the Nucken that is symbolic for salt water and oceans. But Nöken is the one I see when I close my eyes and listen to the currents under the water. We come back to the sea. I remember seeing a drawing of him as a child. Nøkken is sitting on a rock in a little lake with his violin. Sadly, gently stroking the instrument with his bow. My grandmother always told me to be aware of the waters because at any time, if I weren't careful, Nøkken would appear and drag me down under. My father used to point out water lilies in Norway, and in Norway, they are commonly known as Nøkkeroser, or Nucken's roses. And he would tell me how the flowers were the souls of the Nucken's victims. The funny thing is, I was never really afraid of him. I just always felt so sad for him. All alone, in the dark waters, defined by what he was born to be, without any other options or any sort of love. When I was five years old, I nearly drowned. I can't remember much else from that time of my life, but I remember everything about that day. It was a really warm day. I had new swimsuit bottoms with my little pony print on them. I remember going to the beach shop with a boy named Audun, but I don't recall seeing him after that day. We bought gumballs from one of those 80s candy machines, you know, the ones where you had to put a coin in, twist the knob, and then pieces of gum would fall into this lidded hatch. Remember that feeling? The sensation of holding those tiny colored gumballs in your tiny tanned hands. Audun was a year older than me. We went to kindergarten together and because he could swim, he didn't wear arm floats. I was supposed to wear mine, but decided in a moment that I remember so very well to take them off. I wanted to impress him and also myself, I guess. I've always been somebody who bites over more than they can chew I still do that. The beach was very crowded that day. This was a July weekend in the middle of Oslo in the 80s, and the sand and the sea was full of color, chaos, and people. It smelled like sunscreen and happiness to my five-year-old nose. I walked into the sea. There were so many people, so I lost track of Audun right away. I tried to look for him, and I ventured further out. My mother's words were in my head. Walk out, swim back, never without arm floats. I walked out, lost touch with the sand bottom and fell off the underwater plateau separating the beach from the deeper beginnings of the sea. Norway is like that. Everything in nature changes in a split second. It's a devious, uncontrollable place. I tried to keep my head above the water. My father and my uncles used to go diving for shellfish, and some of my earliest childhood memories is seeing the crabs and the lobsters fighting to free themselves from the heat of the cooking pots. I remember standing in my grandfather's kitchen with my hands covering my ears, crying because I swear I could hear them scream. I remember thinking that the crabs and the lobsters are going to eat me now the minute I hit the bottom of the sea, they're gonna have me, no mercy. A woman walked by, in a frilly bikini, she was blonde and had a long braid. I tried to grab onto her, but she brushed my hand away. I don't blame her, the water was seething with life that day. A dinghy floated by, two kids in it. I felt like mad to hold onto the side, I can still remember the sound of my fingernails scratching the orange rubber, like a rumble. My hands were too small, I couldn't hold it, I couldn't get a grip. Then something very strange happened. This next bit sounds mad, but I promise it is the absolute truth. All of a sudden, I had a sensation of total serenity. The sounds turned into silence. My panic turned to peace. I felt loved and weirdly comfortable and warm. I could hear a voice in my head saying, It's okay. It's okay. Let go. It sounds crazy. I know. But I remember it as clear as I remember my son's name. I was just laying there, floating peacefully, when I saw two tanned legs rushing towards me. My mother. She grabbed me hoisted me out the water, and we spent the next two days in the hospital. I don't remember much of the hospital days, except for coughing a lot and seeing a kid who downed a bottle of vitamin C mixture and subsequently turned bright orange as a result. I remember thinking he looked hilarious. I also remember that I nearly died that day. I read somewhere that we call incidents like this one a defining moment in a life. A so-called near-death experience. Some people claim that a near-death experience will leave you with heightened senses and an open mind. I don't know. My brush with dying never made me fear the sea, nor did it make me believe in guardian angels. It didn't leave scars, but it left a very real imprint. It made me respect it. Although, sometimes... When my head is underwater and the indifferent growl of the currents fill my ears, I panic because I remember. I remember that the sea does not discriminate, the sea makes no judgment, it has no concept of mercy, and it never, ever stops. It is only nature, it is only sea. I'd like to end this with my own personal conclusion of the phenomenon that is Nuckin. Nukken isn't the vengeful creature folklore has made him out to be. He doesn't hunt for victims he can pull underwater, nor is he evil. Rather, he is the voice under the water, calmly assuring in the moments when almost all hope is lost, making the transition from beating to not beating a little easier on a 5 year old heart. He is the warmth that replaces the freezing cold. He is the silence that drowns out the noise. He does all of this not out of compassion, but out of nature. Because that is all that nature is. The nøkken is the sea, and the sea is nøkken. Beware of the sea. And long live Apophenia. How boring we'd be without it.